guys, welcome back to another ESL podcast. Welcome back to another video. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, man, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into another one. Guys, I realize, man, again, like I always do, just want to give my grace and my gratitude to all of you out there. There are so many of you who have been tuning into my uh, my blogs, as a matter of fact. And after I had put one of the videos along with the podcast onto the blog, everything had just skyrocketed. So my Indonesians, my Mexicans, I hear you guys loud and clear, man. I am delivering on a, on a scale you have no idea, okay? And... I would like to formally introduce to you guys that I am creating a course for TOEFL ITP grammar and TOEFL ITP reading. All right. So again, those details and those things will be coming about in the future and whatnot. But I realize that you guys don't like the videos and the coaching so much. It's more just like self-explanatory. As long as you understand the concepts, there's no problem behind that. Uh, although that there is obviously, you know, coaching and stuff that's available too and whatnot and listening, I still put out there and still help people with, but nonetheless, man, so happy about that. And today we're going to be getting into answering a variety of overview questions. So what I have here on my blog is a breakdown of one question. Okay. And then after that, there's number two, all the way through number eight. And then there's a page break. And you guys will be able to find your answers to everything on the next page. Okay, I've done this on a number of occasions already. So let's get into this, man. Let's get into it. So <clears throat> my first breakdown is this. It says, the primary purpose of this passage is to dot, dot, dot. So what I'm going to do is read this paragraph out loud for everyone who's listening to the podcast. And then we'll go from there. All right. So it says here, American folk music originated with ordinary people at a time when the rural population was isolated and music was not spread yet by radio, audios, compact disc, or music DVDs. It was transmitted by oral tradition, and it is noted for its energy, humor, and emotional impact. Sorry, I'm pretty sure that's emotional impact. Nonetheless, the major source of early American folk songs is it sound like someone just came right in i don't know what's going on let's continue the major source of early american folk songs was music from the british isles but songs from africa as well as songs of the american indians have a significant part in its heritage later settlers from other countries also contributed songs in the 19th century, composer Stephen Foster wrote some of the most enduringly popular of all American songs, which soon became part of the folk tradition. Beginning in the 1930s, Woody Guthrie gained great popularity by adapting traditional melodies and lyrics supplying new ones as well. In the 1950s and 60s, singer-composers such as Pete Seeger, Bob Dylan, and Joan Bay continued this tradition by creating urban folk music. Many of these songs dealt with important social issues such as racial integration and the war in Vietnam. Now, what is this passage about? And hearing all of that, what is this passage about? There's some big words in there. Don't worry about the big words when it comes to TOEFL ITP, baby. We just need to understand what is it all about is what I'm trying to understand. 
So as you guys are obviously seeing on the screen, you know the answer. But those of you listening to the podcast, you don't know the answer. So I'm going to say your choices out loud, and then we'll go into the answer and why it is the answer. A, trace the development of American folk music. B, explain the oral tradition. C, contrast the styles of folk musicians. And D, point out the influence of social, if you, I'm sorry, social issues on urban folk music. If you chose A, that is the correct answer. But why? Well, I've actually written the explanation down on my blog. You guys could go on ahead and read that. But for those of you who are listening, let's break this down sentence by sentence. You have the main idea thesis right there in the opening argument. Not the argument, but the opening first sentence, the introduction. American folk music originated. Okay, we have a general idea of what that sentence is. Let's go into the next sentence, sentence number two. It was transmitted, what was transmitted? American folk music, okay? By blah, 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 blah. Third sentence. The major source of early American folk songs, we're talking about the source of American folk music again. Fourth sentence. Later settlers from other countries also contributed songs. Contributed songs to what? American folk music. Next sentence. In the 19th century, Stephen Foster, he made the most popular American folk songs, which soon became part of American folk tradition. Sentence after that, Woody Guthrie adapted traditional melodies to new ones as well, all relative to American folk music. 50s and 60s, Pete Seeger, Bob Dylan, continued the tradition, creating urban folk music. So all of this pertains to the trace and development of American folk music, along with the contributions. Oral tradition is mentioned very briefly in the second sentence. It was transmitted by oral tradition. That is all. That is not the main, the primary purpose. Contrast the styles of folk musicians. No, there is no contrast. I don't see contrast. I would have to go down to the bottom and see, okay, Stephen Foster. Okay, there's no contrast there. Woody Guthrie, he adapted. There's no contrast there. Uh, Pete Seeger and Bob Dylan creating uh, urban folk music, social issues. There's no contrast. And D, point out the social influence, social influence, uh, urban folk music. Yes, that's only just the specific detail in the concluding sentence. That is all. This is how you find the primary purpose of passages. Let's get into another one. All right. <sighs> Let's check this out. The next paragraph, number two, the main topic of this passage is, I'm going to read it out for you. Every scientific discipline tends to develop its own special language because it finds ordinary words inadequate and psychology is no different. The purpose of this special jargon is not to mystify non-psychologists. Rather, it allows psychologists to accurately describe the phenomena they are discussing and to communicate with each other effectively. Of course, psychological terminology consists in part of everyday words such as emotion, intelligence, and the motivation, but psychologists use these words somewhat differently. For example, laymen use the term anxiety to mean nervousness or fear, 
but most psychologists reserve the term to describe a condition produced when one fears events over which one has no control. Fears events, I don't know. Uh, that, that doesn't make any sense. But anyways, that's your paragraph. So what are we talking about here? Special language? Ordinary words inadequate, psychology's no different. Okay, psychology. Special jargon for psychology. It allows psychologists to communicate with one another. Psychological terminology consists in part everyday words. Okay, but psychologists use these words somewhat differently. Layman uses this term. Okay, psychologists reserve the term to describe a condition. Da 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 da. So, what is this passage about? Effective communication, A. The special language of psychology, B. Two definitions of the word anxiety, no. <laughs> and the jargon of science. Are we talking about science as a whole? So think about it, people. Again, choose your answer, go to my blog, see what your answer is on the next page, page number two. And I'm gonna do one more for you here because there are eight and I can walk you and continue walking you through. But nonetheless, we just wanna give you guys a nice insight on how I break this down and compartmentalize, meaning break this into segments. So the passage primarily deals with, and the passage reads this, Gifford Pinchot was the first professionally trained forester in the United States. After he graduated from Yale in 1889, he studied forestry in Europe. In the 1890s, he managed a forest on the Biltmore Estate in North Carolina, not Caroline, now Pigsen National Forest, and became the first to practice scientific forestry. Perhaps his most important contribution to conservation was persuading President Theodore Roosevelt to set aside millions of acres in the West as forest reserves. These lands now make up much of the national parks and national forests of the United States. Most certainly it does. Pinchot became the chief forester of the U.S. Forest Service in 1905. Although he held that post for only five years, he established guidelines that set forest policy for decades to come. So let's break this sentence down, these sentences. All right. He was a professionally trained forester. What was his contributions though? After he graduated, studied forestry in Europe. All right, third sentence. Managed the forest at the Biltmore Estate and became the first to practice scientific forestry. Next sentence. Most important contribution to conservation, set aside millions of acres in the West as forest reserves. They became national parks, national forests. Became a chief forester, US Forest Service. Five years, irrelevant information. He established guidelines, set forest policy for decades to come. A, Gifford Pinchot's work on the Biltmore Estate. No, that's a small specific detail. B, the practice and theory of scientific forestry. C, the origin of national parks and national forests in the United States. D, the contributions of Gifford Pinchot made to American forestry. 
What does the passage primarily deal with? There it is. I'm going to do one more. I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling all right right now. I'm feeling okay. Okay. I'm going to do one more. I'm going to go one through four. All right. For those of you that want five through eight, that's on obviously the TOEFL ITP badge. But nonetheless, let's keep this going because I'm feeling a little bit good right now. I'm feeling a little good right now. Next one. What is the main idea of this passage? And it reads, Off-Broadway Theater developed in New York City in about 1950 as a result of dissatisfaction with conditions on Broadway. Its founders believed that Broadway was overly concerned with producing safe, commercially successful hit plays rather than drama with artistic quality. Off-Broadway producers tried to assist playwrights Directors, I'm pretty sure that says playwriters, but anyways, playwrights, directors, and performers who could not find work on Broadway. Off-Broadway theaters were poorly equipped, had limited seating, and provided few conveniences for audiences. But the originality of the scripts, the creativity of the performers, and the low cost of tickets made up for these disadvantages and off-Broadway theater prospered. However, by the 1960s, costs began to rise, and by the 1970s, off-Broadway theater was encountering many of the difficulties of Broadway and had lost much of its vitality. With its decline, an experimental movement called the Off-Off-Broadway Theater developed. So what is the main idea of this passage? A, after initial success, off-Broadway theater began to decline. B, off-Broadway theaters produced many hit commercial plays, specific detail. C, theaters on Broadway were not well-equipped, specific details. Off-Broadway plays were highly creative. So when you are able to figure out, ooh, specific, specific, you already have two answer choices left. That is the beauty of understanding TOEFL and walking yourself through this. So with that being said, again, number five, it says, you know, the, pa the paragraph that follows this passage, I don't think you guys have that on the newly dated uh, TOEFL tests in present day. Uh, I think that was more like back in the dawn of the OOs, meaning the dawn of the new millennium. Um, but now it's a little bit, you know, you're able to, these types of uh, questions in regards to the paragraph that follows or the paragraph that proceeds, I don't, and I did not see them on the recent tests. Remember, I had taken over 30 tests, all fortunate and all thanks to a tested center who I had worked for. Uh, and they paid for it. So I was very happy, but I'm able to understand and figure out, okay, how are these tests? And obviously the new series are far more difficult than obviously the tests from last year. So nonetheless, people, in saying that, you can answer that question along with number six, seven, and eight on my blog, on the Facebook page, YouTube, but more than likely on the blog because I'm not going to show you in the video. <laughs> and on the podcast, man, just want to say thank you guys so much. Check your answers on my blog, okay? And with that being said, guys, if you are interested in more of this content, 
if you need or you are interested in the course and you want to keep updated on the course, make sure you subscribe to my email. You reach out to me if you need quick coaching, okay, uh, because you have a test that's approaching and you see and you're understanding how you could deal with the first question of the, you know, of each section, guys, reach out to me. And with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, as always, over and out.